Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hey everybody and welcome to Kurt's Angle Podcast, it's Kurt Johansson and today got another special guest, the person that created Hong Kong Pro Wrestling, he wanted to create the wrestling scene in Hong Kong and he's gone on to do some amazing stuff off the back of that, ho ho Lun, ho ho, thank you for coming on. Yeah, morning, nice to see you. Yeah, well, I think afternoon for you, it'll probably be about half three now for you, isn't it? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> but no, thank you. Um, a part of this series, what I'm wanting to do is trying to bring more of a light onto different wrestling scenes from around the world that may not get the attention that other wrestling scenes do. Um, I started off with my interview with Shukat on the Malaysian wrestling scene, and now I'm happy to be sitting down with yourself where we can talk about the Hong Kong pro wrestling scene. But you've traveled everywhere throughout Asia, so it's going to be a really interesting. Um, listening to your journeys and your time over here in the UK as well. But to kick things off, like, why why professional wrestling? What made you want to be a professional wrestler? I remember when I was, like, six, seven years old. Yeah. Uh, you know, I grew up in Hong Kong. Uh, we got a TV channel that aired WCW. When I watched, like, uh, Open, Rick Flair, uh, great booter that time that was yeah. he was in WCW. Uh, Alex Wright, uh, you know what? Alex Wright is actually the number one popular wrestler in Hong Kong. Oh, that, really? <laughs> yeah, everyone likes his dancing and things like that, you know. Um, <laughs> and then I remember the same time there's one channel that aired WCW and one channel that aired New Japan, yeah, where it, it feels strange to me because the same wrestler will wrestle. Involved this channel and that channel. <laughs> well, at that time, I have no idea about Japanese or WCW or things like yeah. that. But, but it, it feels right. In, uh, really, really interesting to me that you know one wrestler, the same wrestler wrestle in two channels. Yeah. So uh, that that's where it's up. So I was talking about um, WCW, New Japan. You're not really seen much of New Japan. You only really knew about WCW. So let's get back into. Um, what got you to be a professional wrestler? Oh, uh, I remember by that time that was about 2000, 2006, something like okay. that. Um, there's no professional wrestling in Hong Kong at all. Um, but there's some kind of internet forum, if you can remember that. Uh, that's <laughs> yeah. about professional wrestling, so... It's a bunch of uh, young people like myself. I was like 18 years old at that time. Um, just chatting about it. And then it's like everybody else. We just call a meeting out, slam each other, <laughs> just putting a bad message <laughs> out. That's how everybody starts. Um, but yeah. then in about 2007, um, we tried to uh, purchase a wrestling ring. We share all the costs. We rent. Uh, an apartment there, 
we tried to train ourselves watching some, uh, we still have VCDs by that time, VCDs, yeah. VHS. Um, and then we tried to train ourselves, we tried to slam each other, but, but we know that that's not the proper way of yeah. training, you know what I mean? So then 2010, I decided to come to the UK and find out if the training are correct. <laughs> and incidentally, you know, luckily, like 80% of how we train ourselves is correct. That's, that's, that's quite <laughs> a surprise that yeah. I can, you know, wrestle with each other in more like the same technique. But um, coming to the UK for the first time, it actually opened my mind because I know exactly why we're doing this move. It's not yeah. just the motion, it's the meaning behind all this move. So uh, I remember the first trip I was in the UK was only about one month, I think. Yeah. So I, uh, uh, at that time, I remember I still have my daytime job in Hong Kong, so I have to go back. Um, but I mean, this memory in the UK is just so it's just so good. Then I decided to quit my uh, job in Hong Kong, 2011, come to the yeah. UK for two, six months. So, but. Uh, before I come to the UK for the second time, my main purpose was only to like to get a better training. Yeah, I didn't have any idea of uh, taking as a professional wrestling career. But I mean, after like three months of training, promoters start coming to me and me if you're interested to wrestle in my show, and that's how I started. And then they start giving me an idea that. Should I be a professional wrestler one day? Yeah. Was that with 4FW? Yes, 4FW is where I start. Yeah. So how how did that um, opportunity come across? Like, obviously, flying from Hong Kong to the UK initially for one month and then for six months. How did that opportunity come about? And what was your mindset, like, such a young age, flying across the world to go training in um, what essentially is a foreign country to you? Like... Talk about that process a little bit more. Um, I remember in 2009, when we were running shows in Hong Kong, we got one of the fans who come in. Uh, his name is David. Uh, he's a British. He just come to our show, and we become friends of each other. Uh, when I share my story about professional wrestling, this is one of his advice for, uh, for me if I want to come UK for training properly and that, that's, that's how it came why about that's yeah. yeah and why I should watch W is that um, you know it's just google it I just google it wrestling school UK yeah. just up to the top of the list that's why I'm I think, there and you know they yeah one, one of the one of the best things about 4FW as well that in even in the UK, it embraces all the different cultures, and that's what um, it lives by. So when you are coming across, there is those opportunities to be who you are and represent Hong Kong. And um, you've seen some great people come from there. I just actually um, interviewed somebody called Eddie Ryan, who was part of 4FW, um, and that's just released. So, yeah, 4FW keep cropping up as that, that talent. But what happened, like... How did you find it when you was getting 
getting in, you you just came here to train, but then before you know it, you're getting on shows, wrestling in front of live crowds. What was that experience like for you? Um, you know, it's it's so different from wrestling uh, in the UK uh, and Hong Kong. You know, some of the UK shows, I mean, there's so many different types of UK shows. Not most of the show in the UK is focused on kids' show. There's a lot of kids coming in with their parents just you know, enjoy a night on the weekend, and some of the other shows, it's more of a hardcore fan, what we call it. Mm. So, um, there's some local show in Coventry and, you know, Birmingham area. Um, I stay in Warwick, so yeah. when I first asked, you know, promoter won't gonna pay me for traveling across the country and go to the north or come to the <laughs> south. The promoter, I, I, I'm unknown by that time, so, you know, I only wrestle, like, really local show, Coventry, Birmingham, yeah. Warwick, that um, there's more kids show going on until I remember wrestle for uh, Fight Club Pro, yeah, uh, in Wolverhampton. Yes, um, that's more like a pop adult show. Is it called adult show? <laughs> yeah, it's it's more of a adult show. They do like the yeah. um, over 18s kind of vibe. It's a lot more of a hardcore based fans, and yeah, yeah. it's one of the companies that I will travel around the UK to go see. Because um, I believe it was International Techers. Yeah, yeah. Attacks, I wrestled for Triple X as well. I think Triple X definitely took them before, is it? No, not too sure. Yeah, so yeah, this is where it came across. It's so different from you know the kids' show. You know, yeah. Just wrestle there, make the kids happy, make the parents happy, that's it. Uh, when you wrestle for a more adult show, they've Focus more on your technique, and they cheer for you. They follow all this storyline. They they will have a background check of you before you come to the show. <laughs> so they know they what they're expecting. So much different. Yeah. Um. So that Fight Club Pro show, I know. Um. It was yourself and Jason Lee that faced Tyler Bate and Dan Maloney, and. Them two are considered like two of the best in UK, even back then. So, what was that experience like in the ring with them? And again, having to adjust your style to what you said is such a demanding crowd because there are more hardcore, hardcore fans that have high expectations. What was that experience like for you? Uh, yeah, remember that time me and Jason Lee come here as a tag team most of the time. Um, we're just here to, you know, to work as who we are. I mean, yeah. uh, wrestling in the UK, they have their own style. But even I train, I train up in the UK. You know, I grew up watching different kind of wrestling. When Jason Lee also, when he, before he came to the UK, he already wrestled like a year in Japan. So yeah. we come in with a really, really different style. The fans like it. And, you know, we enjoy wrestling each other. You know, although we come back, uh, we come in the ring with a different background, but we still be able to, you know, put on a good match. Yeah, no, good. Um, and before we go away from like the UK scene, whilst we're delving into that, um, you recently came over last year working, I believe, Southside Wrestling, North Wrestling, and a couple of other shows. But on Southside and North, you got to face Robbie X, who to me is one of the best in Europe. Um, he's such an underrated talent. Like, what was what was your experience from coming to the UK six years after that Fight Club Pro, and um, how did you feel like you developed as a wrestler from those first times here? 
well, the, the, the scenes in the UK have changed a lot since six <laughs> years ago. You know, NXT comes in and, you know, they sign a lot of great wrestlers from that time, you know, some of my best friends in the UK back yep. in 2013 and now the NXT UK roster. Um, and then there's a lot of newcomers uh, in the UK as well, you know. Uh, when I come into the show, there's some old friends that I knew for quite a long time and there's some new people that I have never heard of. Um, You know, uh, within these six years, not only the UK has changed a lot, you know, wrestling in Asia seems to change a lot, you know. Um, There's a lot of wrestling company in Southeast Asia that established and then I remember there's one show in Malaysia, they have like Kate Sun and and, and, and Prince Seven and Taylor Bay also come in, you know. There was was in Malaysia, Singapore. It was in in Malaysia. I actually spoke to Shukat around it because on that same show, Shukat faced Hurricane on the show and you had Pete Dunn, Tyler Bay and Trent Seven on it in a six-man tag match as well. So, yeah, the the scenes in Southeast Asia are, are... are growing and they're doing the right things and becoming more established. So let's jump back to you creating uh, Hong Kong Pro Wrestling. Like, what what was that like? So you've you've kind of trained yourself, you've gone here and there just to make sure what you're doing is correct. And now you're setting up your own like academy, you're setting up your own company. What was that like? And what made you decide, yep, I'm going to create a company in Hong Kong rather than wrestle in China, travel to China? Uh, you know, there's nothing, well, I mean, I remember when I was really, really small, like 10 years old, I was asking my mom to bring me to a wrestling school. She did, but then I find out that's not a wrestling school, there's a judo school. <laughs> <laughs> then, then slowly I grow up, uh, really want to wrestle, but have no idea how. So that, yeah. then why not I uh, set up my own? And that's how uh, HKWF Hong Kong Pro Wrestling came up. And we are actually the first uh, company in the region, not only Southeast Asia, China, you know. Yeah. We are the first wrestling company in Asia outside Japan, I think I can say that. Wow. So there's some promotion in Taiwan as yeah. well. But I mean, uh, we are a little bit, we are about a year behind them. But yeah. I mean, we run more shows than they do. Um, uh, yeah, and then I become a really influential person in the Southeast Asia wrestling scene as well as China. Um, if you have noticed, like a uh, wrestling company in the Philippines, in Singapore, and in China, you know, uh, uh, I'm the only one who actually wrestle in almost every yeah. <laughs> company. In my region. Yeah. Um, so with Hong Kong Pro Wrestling, eventually it came under the Zero One banner. Am I correct in thinking that? Yeah, that was about 2012 to 2014. Yeah, why, why did that happen? How did that happen? Um, you know, it actually happened to us when Jason Lee... Um, went to zero one uh yeah first of all as a purpose of training try out something like that and then yeah. he he passed all his tryout uh, uh process and then he become one of their roster 
since he's uh, identity as a Hong Kong wrestler, then it actually attracts the owner, the student owner. We come in Hong Kong, we talk with each other, we understand each other's value when we start running the first show in Hong Kong, where we have uh, Hashimoto, Taishi, uh, yeah. who wrestled in Hong Kong, Yokoyama, who wrestled in Hong Kong as well. And then we have keeping this kind of relationship for about two years. Yeah. It's all good, you know. Uh, wrestlers in Hong Kong also open their eye when they. It's so different to see professional wrestling live than uh, so different yeah. from uh, watching it on YouTube or TV. So it actually opened the eyes of Hong Kong wrestler and then it motivate a lot of uh, our local guys uh, create this desire in their yeah. head that they also want to wrestle outside. Yeah. What was the fans' um, perception of it? Like, like you mentioned earlier, you only really saw much of WCW and there wasn't as much television, uh, well, wrestling that they can see. And if it is anything, it is going to be the bigger TV product companies. What was the reaction when they've got their own company on the doorstep, like when you started it? And they'll see it, but it's different to what WWE would do. Uh, when we first started, the fans who come to watch our show are not wrestling fans. It's mostly 80-90% are friends of friends of friends, you know, friends of yes. our wrestler. So none of them are actually wrestling fans. They don't know what to expect. So they just come in, uh, uh, support their friends, and then they find out that this is quite an interesting show. Uh, until like after three or four years, we start running shows. You know, at first, I remember at first we start run our first few shows. Uh, those kind of internet discussion programs that uh, this guy was so bad, Hong Kong wrestlers can't make it. They're so skinny. They're so short. They're not gonna make it until Jason Lee and myself, uh, uh, me wrestling in the UK, and then when Jason Lee get quite a successful trip in Japan, then start attracting these kind of core fans who come into our show and start showing the support. Oh, good. So uh, yeah. after all these years, after all these years, you know, I remember the first show we just draw 60, 70 fans, and now we draw like four, five hundred. Uh, yeah. Some of the friends, some of the uh, fans are still friends of friends, but some of them are, you know, WWE fans, Japanese wrestling fans uh, who live in. Yeah, um, who was who was running the company whilst you was with WWE? Um, I actually still do a lot of advisory. Uh, yeah, even though I'm not there, but I'm the one. <laughs> have all this connection, I know this and that. So uh, normally when I was outside, well, I actually traveled quite a lot since 2012. I, yeah. I only spent about two or three months in Hong Kong each year. Um, I do it remotely, you know, having phone calls like what yeah. you are doing now, <laughs> and then emails, and then the follow-up is uh, from the Hong Kong side. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I want to get into um, into that really. Before we go back to the Southeast Asia and the different styles, in what would have been what round two thousand fifteen would it be? Your cruiserweight classic tournament comes around with WWE. Um, how did that come about? Like, 
who contacted you first and what was your reaction when you did get that contact back in 2016? Um, that was the way class it was in 2016, but I actually yeah. received an email in about winter time 2015. I got an email yeah. that uh, JW is going to run an international tournament. Are you interested to come over and wrestle for us? I said, absolutely. I sent over my email, I sent over all my videos and photos, things yeah. like that. No reply at all. Not even yes or no for like three, four months. I was thinking, <laughs> oh, I probably am too bad for that. But then one day I just received an email. Uh, they said that you're going to start the visa, sign your visa and come over to the WWE. I said, oh, okay, absolutely. Yeah. What was what was yeah, like your I family? Wrestled, I remember, uh, I wrestled in uh, uh, Cruiserweight Classic. Yeah. That time, we don't have any plans about having myself in NXT until after like one match, two matches, and then they decided, you know, uh, ho ho, are you interested to stay over and wrestle for NXT for a while? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> of course. What was your like family, friends, and even like? some of these students and the colleagues that you worked with, what was their reaction that you've, you've got there, you're, you're on that platform in Cruiserweight Classic, you do well, and then they want to sign you to a contract? Um, I remember the... I, I turned uh, full-time rest since 2011. Uh, but I remember the first two years, there's no money at all. I eventually end up losing money uh, working as a professional wrestler because there's so many things you gotta pay. You still gotta pay for the bills that you have at home. My parents doesn't like it. Say that uh, you better find a job in Hong Kong. It pays you better. You know those kind of Chinese <laughs> parents. You know, type. You gotta be a doctor. You gotta be a lawyer. That kind of things that Chinese parents will never encourage their son to become an athlete, to become a performer. No way. They thought that. I'm just traveling to hang around, you know, just party every night. They, you know, <laughs> until I wrestled in WWE, they, they saw that, uh, you know, the money just gets so much better after yeah. I wrestled for the city. Um, and then my parents, they see me, uh, that I can have my own life, you know, not losing money at all. <laughs> so they start having more supportive. Quite a while, it takes me from 2012 to 2016 until they saw my paycheck, and then they say, Okay, 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 just go ahead and do what you like. <laughs> we, we, now, we now support you, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, what was that whole experience like when, like, the first time you're stepping into the performance center, and what was your first day with WWE like? Like, what nerves, what was going through your mind? Um, I remember the First, uh, my first day in the WWE is just go to the performance center. It's like it's like a real life YouTube video. You know, <laughs> I saw a lot of photos <laughs> and videos from YouTube about how yeah. the performance center looks like, and then uh, it doesn't feel real for me to step inside the performance center 
and then the next day I'm in full style uh, already. And then yeah. so much different from watching in full style uh, real life than watching it on YouTube because you see a lot of backstage happening, what a lot of logistics happening in back. Yeah. Um, I'm a wrestler, but I'm also a producer for Hong Kong shows. You know, it is it, not only open my eye as a performer myself, but I also learn a lot of things uh, as a producer, point of views, yeah. you know, how the lighting is going to produce, how the video crew, you know, everything like that. There's so many things that I can't put into words, but it actually immersed into my brain. <laughs> yeah. How so? As a performer, how did you adapt to that TV style? Because WWE, they're a TV show first, a wrestling company second. So, how did you adapt to having to make sure you're looking at the hard camera and things like that? Uh, there's so much difference between WWE and the independent scene. First of all, uh, you know you gotta cut a lot of backstage promo before you. Come to the ring. There's yeah. a lot of things to learn. Uh, English, first of all, is my second language. I don't speak quite well. Uh, you know, my English was not like this when I first told them. <laughs> so broken. It's like, uh, 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 my name, uh, ho ho, uh, yeah, what's my name? <laughs> you know, my English was as broken as that. It's um, really good now, though. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, at least it's understandable now. Um, <laughs> And then, yeah, first of all, it's not my first language, uh, English. And then uh, the promo, there's so many cameras goes on, you know. And then some photo shoot before show. Uh, there's a meeting before show, not only you and your owner, but they have people to come in to tell you what to do. Um, I mean, it's so different from... Uh, in this thing, and then I remember the first time I was in WWE. It's actually my first time in America. The fans in America wow. also react so different from UK or from Hong Kong. They they are so into it, but in a way, in a good way, not in a bad yeah. way. Uh, they they cheer you up when you are down, uh, but they boo you when you mess up things. <laughs> yeah. How yeah, as as a as a performer, when you do get booed because you may have made mistakes, mistakes happen to everybody. How do you react to that? Like, how do you manage to not lose control, not lose focus, and kind of shrug off the booze to get back on track? Um, there's so many different ways. I mean, it really is. <laughs> you know, sometimes I know it. Get back up, look at the crowd. Okay, okay, I know it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, more or less acknowledge it in the kind of, like, full sale, they, they are quite an endearing audience. And um, so, when you've gone through the cruiseway and they're like, hey, here's a contract, what was going through your mind? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't because I have no clue about you know, what life in America is like. 
Masters and only be there for a week for the first round K-Pay and another one week for the second round K-Pay. Yeah. So uh, I think I'll just take it and see how it works out. You know, even, you know, NXT. This is NXT. <laughs> yeah. One of the biggest companies in the world. So really can't say no, is it? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, with NXT, uh, you'd faced, you had a tag match against Champer and Gagano. You also had matches with Andrade Almas and Velveteen Dream, four of the biggest names to come from um, NXT. Like, what was that experience being given these big, these big names to work with, and what? What do you think as a performer you learn from your time in NXT? Um, yeah, the opponent that you just mentioned uh, are almost all my TV matches. But other than that, I did quite a lot of uh, live event matches, which yeah, and TV. Um, those kind of non-TV matches that normally last for like 10, 12 minutes, but when you go back to the TV matches, it will last for 3-4 minutes. Yeah. So, uh, uh, it, it's so different from doing live events. Yeah. Um, so, the live events, you know, you, you can show, you, you can wrestle like you did, like in the indie scene, but uh, when, when going on the TV, you only got like 3 or 4 minutes of your time and you got a showed to the fans, not only the fans in live crowd, but, you know, the millions of fans behind yeah. the WWE Network. Um, but in three minutes, you're going to show them what you can. Yeah, man. So from the um, your time with the live events and stuff like that, what moments specifically stand out to you? Because obviously, us fans from being at home, we only ever see what's on TV unless we're in the live audience. So from your time on the live events, is there something that jumps out as one of your favorite times with WWE? Uh yes, it is. It 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 also more more interaction between yourself and the crowd. Yeah. Because in TV you only got three minutes, you don't have time to interact much with the crowd. But in live events, uh there's some smaller live event in Florida. About five, six hundred fans. Yeah. Uh, they're so into it, although they're like eight, nine matches throughout okay. the day. Uh, I'm, I'm always on like the first match, second match, like that. So they are still warming up. Uh, and yeah. I'm there to cheer me up. You know, it's quite enjoyable. Yeah. So after doing all the live events and doing the TV, you decided that you no longer wanted to be with WWE and you asked for your release, which was granted. What went through your mind of during that time as why you wanted to leave WWE? Well, I mean, WWE is kind of a dream job for everybody. It yep. was a dream job for me. Uh, but I remember that was about June 2007. I took yep. a week off back to Hong Kong, see my families. Uh, my mom just tell me the really, really sad news that she got cancer, uh, which won't last long. Yeah. So that I balance between job and my mother, and then I decide to uh, ask for the release. But 
I think this is one of the best decisions that I've made because I'm able to come back home, you know, stay with my mom for the last six months of her life. Yeah. Um, at the same time, I still are having a really, really good relationship with the WWE. I mean, they came into China for a tryout 2019, and they still call me up and you know, ask me for that. Yeah, this, 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 that. Um, and then it ended up for me coming into Dragon Gate, working here for about six months now. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, things like that happens all the time. But it just leads you to uh, something better. I mean, other than working in Dragon Gates over the last years with my WWE background, I was able to work in Philippines, Singapore, Thailand, Vietnam, uh, you name it, almost every yeah. country in Asia. Um, not only perform, but also advise them how to do better production. Oh, uh, brilliant. Share knowledge, uh, help young kids. You know, help them with some more training, uh, yeah. motivate them. Uh, that even a kid in Hong Kong can do that, can make it to NXT for for like thirteen months. I actually spent spent thirteen months in the WWE. Yeah. So I'm one of the motivational figures. So yeah. no, it's um. First off, like I'm sorry to hear about your mother. Um, that must have been hard and all respect for you to like leaving leaving that dream going back and being there with your mum and things have turned out well I, I remember when i was trying to have a do some research see where you've been and i was just jotting down some countries and i was like jesus christ how how many places is he going at the moment i think i ended up getting like there was taiwan china hong kong singapore japan south korea uh thailand yeah, the uk yeah, yeah. I think I saw like Portugal somewhere, and it was just yes, Portugal. <laughs> yeah, it was just like, well, that guy's getting a lot of stamps on his passport right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, before we get into like Dragon Gate, um, and before we get into the like more into like Southeast Asia, um, with the wrestling, I did have a couple of questions from just a couple of people that check out the show, um. One of the content creators, Headlock Talk, they asked, since it's early in the morning for me, um, ask you how you take your coffee. If not coffee, what do you? What does your typical breakfast look like and morning beverage of choice? Well, as you know, I travel <laughs> quite a lot of country over the yeah. last three years. So the breakfast comes in a different way. <laughs> When it comes to different countries, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, so if you could choose one breakfast and one beverage to go along with that breakfast, what what would you choose? Well, I'm not trying to kiss your ass or what, but British breakfast is actually the best thing that I have. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Only breakfast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, not the weather. Um, it's... Absolutely miserable. The worst thing is, it's been real nice and sunny whilst I've been at work, and then when I get home, it's still got a little bit of sun. I get the weekend off, and it's now raining. Last night was thunder and lightning, and it was like, okay, looks like I'm not doing anything this weekend. So <laughs> it's it's just typical yeah. typical British British weather, really. Um, 
everything pro wrestling, they would like to know um, the wrestling scene. What's the wrestling scene like in China? So that's kind of leading us into um, the Southeast Asia side of things. So what in China, what's the wrestling scene like at the moment? I know you started with CWE. You've got um, MKW, there's OWE. What's, what's your thoughts on the Chinese wrestling scene at the moment? There's not a lot of wrestling company in China at this moment, although it's a big country. There's only like four, five promotions in China right now. And the problem is that it's the visa issues. Because most of the foreigners who want to enter China, they've got to apply for a visa, which costs almost like 100, 200 pounds for mm. a one entry visa. You know, so that there's not a lot of promoters willing to pay that money, you know, on top of all the flights and hotel and the match yep. fee. And, you know, at the other hand, they only charge the fans £10 per ticket. They're not going to spend a £1,000 on one wrestler only to come into China. Yeah. So that they're more like into uh, uh, more locally, locally roster. I mean, uh, MKW is actually doing a great, great job. Um, they, the owner is an American man, uh, yeah. Thomas, who lived in China for a long time. He's a perfect Mandarin. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Really, really perfect. I mean, if you have a chance, you can uh, interview him sometime. Yeah, well, fu- funny you should say that. Because Adrian's coming on the show, I think, next week I should be recording with him. So oh, um, it? it'll be interesting. Yeah, it'll be yeah. interesting to hear, hear his thoughts. But. What is it that he's doing well, so good with MKW? Your next episode for MKW. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, me and Adrian, we know each other for quite a long time. Also, we both side of China, which is really, really near to Russia. Uh, I traveled there for like a couple of times. Um, other than that, because uh, other than myself, they also have a few American guys who was living there with Adrian as well. Yeah. So he's able to train their own local team in Harbin, China. So, um, we have also like King of Wrestling, KOPW, yeah. uh, CWE as well. They are in the south side of China, which is more near to Hong Kong. It only takes us like a three-hour drive to uh, yeah. Guangzhou. Uh, this is the city, the, the city where KOPW is based. Um, I was their first champion. I was the producer for the first two or three shows. Um, they both took my advice and then they now run their own shows now. But I mean, uh, yeah, this KOTPW also have uh, a few UK guys who come over uh, to uh, make that connection. Yeah. Um, Sam Gretwell was here. Uh, Gibson was here. Uh, Drake was here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I mean, in China, it's so different from the rest of the world. They have their own set of internet, so things are not easily seen. You know, yeah. they have their Chinese version of YouTube, Chinese version of Twitter, and but the real Twitter and YouTube are blocked from, you know, these all political reasons. Yeah. Um, and then there's a lot of things that they thought would come into this way, but in, but it actually not. Um, so I am the bridge between them and the outside world. You know, I tell them <laughs> what's actually happening in the real world that 
your imagination is wrong or is somewhat correct, but we can do it in a better way. Yeah. Um, this is my value when I work in China. Um, but in Southeast Asia, Asia is different story. Southeast Asia, they speak better English. They have free internet, Facebook, YouTube, things like that. So uh, it's more easy for them to understand what's happening outside. Because in China, people doesn't speak much English. Uh, yeah. But Asia, English is like, like in Singapore, Malaysia, they speak perfect English. It's like it's their, uh, it's their official language. So that it's so easy for them to, to look for information from the internet. Yeah. So what's the difference? Like you mentioned you've worked Singapore, Malaysia, Taiwan. How do you adapt to like the different wrestling styles um, or even the audiences? And what companies have you gone into for maybe like the first time and think, wow, I'm impressed with their production. I'm impressed with their wrestlers. And, uh, you know, each country have their own set of fans and the fans in each country, uh, they look for some kind of different element. Like you said, in Singapore, uh, the fans there are so diverse, it's not only local Singaporean, but also a lot of uh, expats or yeah. foreigners who live in Singapore. I think 50% of their fans base are non-Singaporean, the other 50% are Singaporean. Um, so, and also, the main reason is that WWE is there on their TV so that they understand what pro wrestling, uh, what professional wrestling is about. Um, they have some basic knowledge in their mind about before they come to the show, they, they have some expectation about it. And the wrestler themselves in Singapore, they have a really good facility, a really good training facility for these uh, yeah. uh, set up their company. They have the ring, and uh, their owner, Andrew Tang, I don't know if you know this guy or not. He, I'm interviewing he, Andrew he, tomorrow morning. <laughs> Oh, is it? I'm interviewing yes, Andrew so tomorrow think, morning. Yeah, I think he'll tell you more about their training. But Andrew himself, he's uh, really good at bodybuilding. Uh, yeah. uh, he's also, a, you know, some kind of trainer of things. So we have a team of really, really good members. Various in things like Thailand, for example. Yeah. Um, uh, in the past, before it got, uh, got promoted, wrestling which is established by a Japanese uh, really really famous Japanese wrestler Sakura Amy yep. in AEW as well um, for most of their wrestlers have trained it in kind of a Japanese way uh, the fans their fans are also uh, most of their fans other than local Thailand people are also Japanese people who live in Thailand yeah. Um, so that the fans there are more like Japanese style oriented, you know, they're more quiet, they don't shout like crazy things like the Americans did. <laughs> um, but for myself, when I wrestle in both countries, I just be myself. Yeah. You know, sometimes slowing down to react, uh, interact with the fans in Thailand as well. You know, people come in to wrestling show. No matter where you are, they come in for one reason: is to entertain themselves. You know, 
They yeah. want uh, they want to enjoy a good night of show. You know, they want to watch something different than different from you know going to cinema or going to a snooker pool game, but yeah. like a wrestling show. You know, different kind of enjoyment. So people come into wrestling show for just this simple reason. Uh, I'm here to entertain them, so the interaction itself is really important. Yeah. One thing in Singapore, uh, Grapple Max, they recently did like a Game Changers Pro Wrestling Leaders Digital Summit that you'd have been part of. Um, is COVID-19 the end of live pro wrestling as we know it? What's your thoughts on Grapple Max doing a summit of all these different companies and representatives? And what's how do you feel? Do you think it's important for all these companies to try and work together to build the wrestling scene throughout Southeast Asia? Well, actually, this is my vision since I come back from the WWE to work together in Asia to help Asian wrestlers. Uh, you know, most of us in Asia, uh, we have a daytime job. Wrestling is just our passion. Um, most of us are actually losing money to do all this. So yeah. my vision is to help them out, uh, you know, to give them more advice to how to get things looks better, uh, how to how to help them uh, waste less money, but get things done. Uh, yeah. We have to work together because this is not a competition at all. The money is not big enough for us to have a competition. <laughs> I mean, we have to work together, create some kind of synergy, make more fans to come into our show. Um, who is willing to buy tickets? Because I know yeah. some of the Asian countries, we, we have a culture that, oh, you're my friend, hey, can I have a free ticket? We have to mm-hmm. create this culture of you know, buying a ticket. It's not for your £10 or £20. It's, it's I mean, if, if, if I give you a free ticket, then how can we develop ourselves a better company? You know, yeah. we need better lighting. We need better camera crew to to make our show look more quality. So everything, these guys are not giving us free service. So that this £10, uh, for you, it may be a small thing, but for us, if everybody asks for free tickets, then how can we afford all this? So I'm here to also help them to, I mean, maximize yeah. what there is. I think for anybody, like ten pound is ten pound. There's there's companies here in the UK that there's very big companies and there's a lot of smaller companies, but still the same mentality where some people may expect free tickets or some people will always want certain benefits, and it's. You need to support these smaller businesses to make sure they keep growing. Um, I reached out to a few different companies that I'd purchased tickets for during COVID nineteen, and if it was my way, um, they had to. I was like, "Don't give me the refund. Like, just put it towards your talent or anything like that." Because at the end of the day, when all this ha- when all this is over with, I still need you to be open so that I can come and enjoy your product still. I think this is also a mentality of the wrestler themselves and the promoter themselves because people know that we do wrestling for our passion. Because you've never asked your accountant to give you a free service. You never asked for your doctor to give you a free service. Uh, 
Um, but when you can promote yourself, not only as passion, but also as a professional event producer, you're also a professional performer, then people are willing, they're excited to pay you for that money. Yeah. You know I mean? So that this is all, all kind of mentality training and how you uh, package yourself. Well, we actually are professional, not, uh, yeah. not just, you know, do it for passion. Have you, have you ever thought about trying to do like super shows where it might be a few different companies that maybe you're leading on, you're working with a few companies and touring these different countries with a, with like a mixed blend of each other's talent? Um, we founded Hong Kong Pro Wrestling in 2009 and last yeah. year, 2019, was our 10th year anniversary. Wow. We actually planned for a mega show like that this January, yeah. but because of coronavirus, <laughs> God damn just, it. just go away. Yeah. And then we don't have any plan to run that yet because I don't know when international flights are going to get back to normal, and I don't know whether fans are confident enough to come sit close to each other to watch a wrestling show, shouting, "Ah, you suck, you suck!" and <laughs> even just another embarrassed sitting around. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe next year, I don't know, but you know, we have nah. this. Yeah. Uh, uh, hope that that's going to go back to normal as soon as possible, then we can run the show again. Yeah. And before we get into your time with Dragon Gate, about a year ago, there was rumors that WWE might be opening like a NXT brand in Japan or and they keep doing all these tryouts throughout Asia. What would your thoughts be if? WWE did open uh, NXT Japan brand or NXT Asia. We've seen it in the UK where they don't just stick to UK. They've signed people from Ireland, Germany, Austria, Russia, uh, Spain, all throughout Europe. Would you think it'd be beneficial if they'd set up something like that in Asia where they might be predominantly based in Japan, but they're signing people from Hong Kong, from Singapore, from Vietnam, from Malaysia? Well, if you ask me this question one year ago, I would absolutely say yes. But <clears throat> at this moment, you know, not only WWE, but a lot of company in America, they're cutting off people. They are taking their overseas office back to America. This yeah. is something that's happening in the world that American company trying to save their cost uh, of moving things back to America. So at this moment, if you ask me that, I don't think this is going to happen no, no. anytime soon. No, as, as, a, as a business plan, it, it's likely to have been put on hold. But do you think it'd be beneficial for the wrestling scene out in Asia if it did happen? Yes, of course. You know, if, if I mean, if in case they're going to run a performance center in Asia, no matter if it's in Japan or Southeast Asia and China, it gives us a goal to go to. Yeah. I mean, Okay, if there's no performance center in Asia, we have the passion, but what is our goal? I mean, they can't see the future. The young kids, you know, we train so hard, you know, we wrestle so hard for the local fans, but what is our goal? But if yeah. they have a performance center in Asia and they start signing people from different parts of the world, if you see, uh, uh, if, I'm a, if I'm a young kid from Singapore, 
if I see one Singaporean guy wrestler yeah. who got signed by the WWE, then I see my future that I can be there. Yeah. This is kind of a motivation uh, for young people, and, and it will only be good for the independent scene because more young people are willing to come into the business. Yeah. So if it happened and they came like, ho ho, we'd like you either as a wrestler, a producer, or a trainer. Is that something you would want to look into? Uh, yes, I do. I'll absolutely yep. say yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, only with WWE resource, uh, you know, I can maximize. You know, my vision is not only yeah. myself. I also want to help people in Southeast Asia, you know, young people in this region. You know, yeah. If they have this passion, why not? Why not train harder? Why not? Because there's a goal for you. This is my vision. Yeah, no, hundred percent. So, if you was to try and encourage people from the UK or from America to try and check out some of these um, promotions in Southeast Asia, which again, this is what these series of interviews are all about. What what would you say to them for the reason they should check out these promotions? Um, we have a really different style of wrestling. Um, I mean, this is also a reason why we, by time to time, we also invite wrestlers from America, from Japan, from Europe to come over to Hong Kong uh, to wrestle because we want to expand our reputation, not only in Asia, but also outside of the world. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, uh, over the past 10 years, you know, I spent most of my time, well, almost 100% of my time in professional wrestling. And I did it. Uh, from 2016, I was in WWE and people in the world, uh, yeah. they start having this awareness of, you know, oh, professional wrestling exists in Asia. Uh, they didn't <laughs> know that it exists. And then until uh, WWE also come to uh, Asia for a trial, especially last yeah. year, 2019, in Shanghai, they also invite wrestlers, not only from China, but uh, we have Philippines, we have wrestlers from Thailand, from Singapore. Yeah. Uh, who I try out. Um, I mean, I, I, everything has stopped now. To be honest. So, yeah. I mean, if we can do that again in a few years, uh, people are going to put their eye on Southeast Asia for wrestling. Yeah. Now, hopefully, and um, I think I started doing that with, again, the Shuka interview where. He mentioned a lot more people have been reaching out to try and do stuff with him or um, a lot more fans have started following him and saying they've checked out some of the work. And that's what I'm hoping to do because I think people get very set in the ways of what sort of wrestling they like to watch. And if you don't open your mind, you're never going to maybe fall in love or like a different style of professional wrestling. And there is so there is so much out there and... Um, I think it deserves to be spotlighted, essentially. So, Dragon Gate, you worked there for a long time in 2019. How did that opportunity come about, and what's your time been like with Dragon Gate? Um, well, it, you know, the Japanese side of uh, Hong Kong Pro Wrestling, we, I actually have to give credit to uh, Jason Lee, Yep. Since 2012, we have been wrestling in Japan 
long period of time. That time is zero one, and then in 2017, he got a chance to uh, try out in Jordan Gate, and then eventually he, he got signed by Jordan Gate, and then he was a member of the roster in 2017. And since Hong Kong character, uh, the owner of Jordan Gate, he also starts having some kind of interest in running shows in Hong Kong. <clears throat> and from that time, we have also a Japanese businessman who lives in Hong Kong. He's also a good friend with the Gate owner. Um, with this connection and then with Jason Lee, with his Hong Kong representative, we just run the first Running Gate Hong Kong show in 2018. The reaction was so good. Not only local Hong Kong fans enjoy it, there are some Japanese fans who just traveled to Japan uh, from Japan to Hong Kong. Oh, just wow. For this show. Um, I mean, uh, we have a good reaction from the first show. We run the second show. And then we run the third show. We supposed to have the fourth show last year. It was canceled. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I mean, this relationship will surely goes on for at least a number of years. And yeah. Jason is here when I am here as well. Um, when all this uh, coronavirus is back to normal, I'm sure we'll run another show. Yeah. So what's it been like in terms of like working in the ring, going across to Japan and wrestling so much as part of that roster? Um, I know you faced and teamed with Martin Kirby, who... Um, was also out there in Dragon Gate. Unfortunately, once he got back from that tour, he announced that he was retiring from professional wrestling, which was quite, as as a fan, such a shame. I think he's one of the best in like one of the best versatile wrestlers the UK has ever produced in terms of in ring quality, his charisma, um, his comedy, the wrestling. But the what's what's your fond memory so far of like Dragon Gate and um. How did you step up to wrestling that much in the Japanese style? Well, uh, you know, Kirby's retirement is actually quite surprising for me. I remember the last week that he was here, <coughs> we were still talking about, ah, you're coming back after the coronavirus? Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> but then it's quite surprising once he come back to the UK and then he decided to retire. Respect that, you know. Uh, but yeah, he... It's actually quite interesting uh, for me to, uh, you know, I, I have been in tag match with him, you know, quite some time over the last three, uh, from January to March yeah. when both of us are here. Um, I don't know why we are always in a tag team, maybe because we both speak English, they put us as an English <laughs> kind of a tag team. But I mean, it's quite enjoyable uh, yeah. sometimes. Hacking is sometimes me and him in the same ring as an opponent. Um, uh, yeah, and then in Dragon Gate here, the style is so much different uh, from what you've seen in the UK. As in the UK, you always see only single match, maximum is half match. <coughs> yeah. In Dragon Gate, they do a lot of like six man tag, eight man tag, and so much going on. So fast paced. Um, I mean, I grew up watching a lot of wrestling. It only took me a while to get accepted to it. So I understand what's happening, but my body 
<laughs> also have to kick off because it's so fast to kick. Yeah. So much away. <laughs> so what what are your goals left in professional wrestling then? I know we've touched it up. If there was a performance center, that'd be your interest. You're wanting to bring all these companies together. But ultimately, one, as a wrestler, and two, as a promoter, what are your goals? Um, I mean, over the past uh, three years, since I depart from WWE, uh, I still have a really, really good connection with them. So if there's any plan happening in Asia, I'm really, really open-minded you know, to be part of them. You know, if they want to establish anything in Asia, you know, I'm one of the most, uh, you know, I wrestle almost everywhere in Asia. Um, I mean, if they don't have the plan yet, then I'll still do it by myself, you know, helping people in Vietnam. And then at the same time, resting Japan full time. Um, I have a really good connection with a lot of Japanese wrestlers and promoters. Yeah. Uh, I can also bring over Japanese wrestlers to other places. So, because Japan has a so strong culture in professional wrestling. Yeah. The wrestlers here are in the top quality. You know, they have really, really good skills, good techniques. And I'm sure when if I can bring over some Japanese wrestlers to Southeast Asia, it will surely open their mind. Because when you see it live, it's so much different. They have yeah. a really, really good, you know, some kind of basic skills that it can only motivate them. You know, or I can be like that one day. That's exactly my feeling when I first watched Japanese wrestler live uh, in my first time. So I hope you know, they will feel the same when they see overseas wrestlers, this is my goal. I mean, it only yeah. get us more jobs if each country here, they can afford themselves to running shows each month. It will only be good for all the wrestlers because, you know, you see in America, there's a lot of independent companies. And they have almost at least one company in each state. I yeah. think Southeast Asia can be something like that. We can have one at least one company in each of the countries, and then with uh, when we get full time, we can wrestle almost every week. Yeah. Now, hopefully, um, it does get to the state where a lot of you can start working um, full time, and maybe sh- if if other people have parents that are like, show me the money, show me what's getting you the money, and you can like <laughs> see, I can, yeah. I, I'm getting, the money. I'm no longer losing money. So hopefully that. That'll come to pass. Like, so for your final words for any maybe aspiring wrestler in Southeast Asia or any wrestler that's listening to this that are just trying to find their way, what advice would you give them? Um, you know, keep on training and watch as many wrestling as you can. Um, I know a lot of uh, wrestler friends. They like watching wrestling on YouTube, but most of them are watching like highlight videos, proof yeah. and proof and proof. But I mean, if you want to be an all-round performer, you don't you don't only want to see this. You want to see how you know how they structure themselves as uh, you know as a character. 
Yeah. Uh, not only play and move. Uh, that that's really important. That that's only that that's also one concern when people come into Hong Kong. You know, they want to learn to be a wrestler. Uh, oh, can I do a choke slam? Can I do a power driver? I said no. You gotta do push up <laughs> before you do all that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone everyone just thinks, yep, I'm just going to start doing what I'm seeing, like Kane or The Undertaker doing on TV. And there's, a, yeah. there's a lot more cardio that goes into that before you even get inside the ring. But no, ho-ho, thank you for coming on. Um, been really enjoying talking to you, especially learning more across like Southeast Asia, across the board with yourself, like I said before. Um, I think every country that I looked in, ho-ho's there, so that's good. Um, so where can people find you on social media? Where can they check out Hong Kong Pro Wrestling on social media? Um, I'm more active on Instagram. Uh, I'm also on Twitter, H-O-H-O-L-U-N-7-1-9. Uh, it's the same handle, uh, Twitter and Instagram. I'm also on Facebook. You can just put on my name, Ho Ho Lun, or Hong Kong Wrestling. <coughs> it will just come up automatically the first on the list <laughs> brilliant well again thank you for coming on enjoy the rest of your day and hopefully you'll be able to start running shows being on shows again sooner rather than later with COVID-19 and hopefully we'll get that super show down the road for um, Hey Cage PW yeah thank uh, you very much for inviting me here it's a really good platform let fans know what's happening in Southeast Asia yeah no, thank you very much. And if you've not already, make sure you check out the interview that I had with Shukat, who created Malaysian Pro Wrestling, and all my other interviews throughout different people throughout the UK. And I will be delving into more of Singapore. I will be delving into China with different guests, which I've mentioned on this. So make sure you hit subscribe so you're not going to miss out on any of those. And again, if you prefer audio platform, Follow me on Chairshot Radio Network. Subscribe to them so you find for the audio content each week, every Friday. Sometimes I might drop on a Monday for you. Just follow my Twitter at Kurt's Angle Pod for more upcoming news. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Always use your head. <laughs>